This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. That's right. NFL Friday, the week four edition. We got everybody in the room, Mir. Gory is next to me. Charlie Maizano is in the room. Devin Clementi and behind the glass, Dom Muscarella. But we got important things to talk about here. And we're going to begin with last night's installment of Thursday Night Football, the ever-controversial topic. Last time we were on the show, we were debating its very existence. But uh, there we have it, an NFC North matchup. You guys get a chance to watch last night? I did actually, I got the chance to watch a little bit of it. I know the Packers beat the Bears 35-14. The Bears, uh, a little shaky in the first half, but we'll go through it uh, completely as we go through in the show. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, and the color rush. Yeah, to be honest with you, I felt like it was watching a show of Grey's Anatomy. You know, it was kind of dramatic, and everybody was getting injured, I think. A friend of mine last night who's a big Packers fan was telling me that the Packers lost 5% of their roster last night. I think that's a little extreme, but I think Did it was that just— in injuries? Yeah, just in injuries. I think that's a bit extreme, but I, I counted like seven different players that went out of the game. Well, can anyone do a quick math? 53-man roster, 5% of, 5% of 50. Quick math? All right, no, no one can do a quick math. <laughs> so there are— Quite a few injuries, but NFC North, it's always interesting. It always is a seemingly competitive division, but I didn't get the feeling that last night's game was too competitive. Well, the game got a little bit out of hand once Devontae Adams uh, got hit by Danny Trevathan. It was a really sickening hit. I'm, I really hope that he gets suspended at least five games because that was one of the worst hits I've ever seen in the NFL. Oh, wow. I have to pull this up. I don't know. Mir, did you catch this I hit? Saw, I saw it. I mean, I think five is... I can understand why Charlie thinks it should be five. I just, I don't know. I like old school football. I watch a lot of football from, like, southern college teams play. And I, I, I'm kind of used to maybe a different brand of football. And I'm used to, like, and, and that's kind of my, my complaint about the new NFL is that I like old school. So, for me, I think it was dirty. I think he should get a one-game suspension. But five, I don't know. That's, I, I think that's a little much for me. But I can understand why in, in the CTE era of the NFL there should be like a it's, steep punishment. It's a worthy discussion. We know Vontez Perfect is undergoing a pretty heavy suspension right now. He's perpetually uh, suspended. Yeah, I mean, that's the you know that's a guy with a reputation. I'm not sure Danny Trevathan, because reputation, they didn't take that into account with suspensions. If you read the league's statement when Perfect got suspended— they fully say that, you know, a part of this is the fact that your history is a vicious hitter. So they take into account who well, you Berf- are. But- well, if Burfecht got four games or five games for his suspension, I can't imagine what they're going to give Danny Trevathan. Exactly. But I, I, to me, Burfecht's suspension was a little extreme. So I think that Trevathan's, maybe they're going to kind of scale it back a little bit and make it about more... Up- I, I would say more even to Burfecht, but to me, Burfecht is the classic player that's the opposite of Marshawn Lynch. Instead of being, I'm here j- not to get fined, he's here to get fined. <laughs> I mean, he's consistently <laughs> getting point. fined, consistently being suspended. That's a player who should be suspended eight games. And, I, I mean, I was a big fan of his in college. I remember him taking out a lot of USC quarterbacks, <sighs> and, and I don't want to necessarily give away that I was excited to see that, but then again, I'm not going to also say that I wasn't. I just really like his style of play, but it's a new era. And, you know, he needs he needs to understand that, and I, I just wonder if the locker room, the coaching, 
keeps perfect from from understanding that. And I wonder if the Packers have a similar issue. Yeah, I I don't know how that one got by me. I just pulled it up, saw the hit. I I do think he'll get a suspension for that 100%. The amount of time, we'll have to see. But one other thing I want to talk about from the game is the whole time I was just wishing that the Bears would put in Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, whether regardless of how you feel about him, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about him being the number one overall pick in the draft, number only two. playing number two, excuse me, only played 13 games at North Carolina. Pretty insane, but I wanted him to go in the whole time. Well, I know the Bears, they came into the season knowing they weren't going to be competitive, and Mike Glennon just looked awful last night. Yeah, Glennon yeah. is terrible. He had, I'm, he I'm had two fumbles, he had two picks, and both picks were balls that sailed over the receivers. They were nowhere near the ball, and he just decided to throw the ball like it was nothing away. Oh, just throw it away, you know. Throwing like it's hot. Exactly. And I just want to add that if you watched Trubisky in the preseason, he, he put together good. a like his his brief tape in the league right now. He, he looked like Aaron Rodgers in the preseason. He has some <laughs> throw like there were some gifts going around Twitter. If you follow the right accounts, I'm always on like football accounts and stuff and there were some gifts going around of literally just of the throws he made and he was really showcasing his arm. So, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this morning Bleacher Report uh, posting a picture of, of Glennon as a, as a server at a restaurant, give it, <laughs> oh give it, giving the footballs, you know, the, the interceptions to, to the Packers, to Aaron Rodgers specifically. And, you know, to me that was the, the iconic image of what this game was. But, you know, when I see a player like Trubisky, and I, I cover college, and I, I'm really into college football, and I, I cover college football, and, and I see an ACC team with a star quarterback, I'm a little hesitant. But then again, tonight I'm going to be picking Virginia Tech over Clemson with their rookie quarterback. Ah. So I, should, I shouldn't I should like be totally disparaging ACC. But, you know, not trying to get too sidetracked. But the point is, an ACC quarterback who only had 13 starts looks like Aaron Rodgers in the preseason. I think he's not going to look really that good in the regular season to me. I think that's a little bit – he was in the right situation at the right time in those games. I mean, he has the tools, but I don't really see him being that, you know, impact rookie like Dak Prescott was last well, year. Well, no matter what, he still was a number two overall pick, and the Bears are not a good team. Mike Lennon is not the option. You're definitely not going to go to Mark Sanchez, so I think it's time at least maybe give it another week for Mike Lennon just, you know, because you gave him so much money. But after that, I think you got to give Mitchell Trubisky a shot. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think this is what we were talking about last time I was on the show, but it brings up the concept of tanking. And this was a legitimate conversation I was having with a friend last night is why would the Bears, why is the logic of of keeping uh, Glennon in? And, of course, my friend says, well, they paid him a bunch of money. But, you know, that's def- there's something to be said about that. But he also said they want a draft pick to complement, you know, a so new quarterback. And I, is there anything to that? Is there I don't really think, anything to losing games? I don't think it makes sense to tank in the NFL. The fan struck the 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 fandom that the 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 citizens portray at games is too extreme for teams to be bad for more than 3 years unless if you're specific franchises, but then it's the fault of the owners. And then on top of that, you know, like this draft class it appears to be very heavy on quarterback, but if you've really watched Sam Darnold 
and I'm retracting my earlier statements of how great Sam Darnold looked. He needs to come back for another year. Rosen looks like the next Jay Cutler, to be honest with you. So these aren't players that are really surefire like an Andrew Luck. So if there was the case that you would tank for one year, this is not the year. You also aren't the Colts, and you have Peyton Manning on retainer. And then second of all, you know, to me, I th- I'm, I don't mind playing Trubisky, but the reason why I think Glennon is in is just to protect Trubisky. You know, this guy looked great in the preseason. What if he starts out badly in the regular season that he loses his confidence? This is a guy who's only played 13 games in college. He's never really faced a lot of adversity. If you've watched those North Carolina games, he was always up big a lot of the times. So this guy needs to needs more maturing, I think, as a football player, not just as a quarterback. Well, look at the Browns. They had Brock Osweiler to be, you know, the safe the safe space, safe, uh, safe bet, excuse me, for... Deshaun Kaiser, and now no, they, Deshaun Kaiser is starting no, they, week started week one. Now he's their quarterback, and I know they're zero and three, but Deshaun Kaiser is the man in, in Cleveland. No, no, Kaiser is in just because they have to play him. Uh, they brought Brock Weis- Osweiler in just to get a second round pick, and they, that's why they got rid of. But him. But they still had Osweiler. I mean, you. I yeah, but they, they weren't going to keep him. A shot to play. They weren't going to keep him because they wanted Kaiser to be in at least just to get him get him some chances because they at least want to see what they have because this is a, a player who at the beginning of last season, the last college season, he looked like he could have been a top 5 pick, then had a bad year at Notre Dame. People blamed Brian Kelly and then it came out that, you know, really Kaiser is kind of who he is and that's what he's showing right now at the Browns. All right, well, I don't know how we got into Kaiser on the Browns, but the Browns are always meaningless discussion on the <laughs> quarter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, we have a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about the New York football giants who are in a bit of a predicament, quite honestly. But first, we got Devin Clementi for a fantasy installment. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. One guy I'm definitely starting this week is Jimmy Graham. Doug Baldwin's dealing with a groin injury this week, and it's looking like he's not going to end up suiting up this weekend. With him gone, Jimmy Graham immediately becomes the number one option on this offense. He's been outside the top 20 tight end so far this year, and he dealt with an angle injury early on, but he put on a nice showing last week. And as the number one option, I'm one of the premier red zone options in the league. I see him feasting on this week, Colts D. The next guy I'm starting is Joe Mixon. He had high expectations coming into the season, but with the Bengals' offense looking horrible in the first two games, those hopes were quickly uh, quickly going away. But now with Bill Lazor as the new offensive coordinator, I see Mixon as becoming the clear feature back in this offense, and I really expect him to have his first breakout game this week in a blowout in Cleveland. The last guys I'm starting this week are Redskin tight ends. Terrell Pryor struggled out of the gate so far, and while I do expect that to change, I don't think it's going to be this week. KC's got a great defense, despite the absence of Eric Berry, and if Pryor ends up drawing Marcus Peters, I don't expect that to end well for him. I do expect, however, for this game to be a shootout and for Cousins to rely heavily on his tight ends, just as he's proven to do throughout his career. So if you own Jordan Reed, obviously start him, but also go pick up Verdon Davis immediately because if he sits out, Davis will absorb all those points. Bunch of picks I like there. Joe Mixon, I think that's a really interesting point, Devin. I'm waiting on his breakout game, and I think it's really interesting you point to the offensive coordinator change that could spark that. Yeah, so last week, uh, Mixon 
really outplayed Hill and Bernard, got way more snaps than them, and I think he actually was the only one to even go on the field in the fourth quarter. So I think that now that they're shifting more to short passes, that they're looking to hand the ball off more, he's just more explosive than the other two, and I think he's going to be the clear feature back in that offense. All right, well, thank you, Devin. We're going to get back to you a little later on in the show, and Joe Mixon, a guy who I think is super talented, just waiting on him to get it going, really. The New York Giants, however, super talented as well, but, you know, can't really put things together. Did you guys see the Giants-Eagles game last week? Yeah, unfortunately, really. Like, You know, I'm, I'm a big Sooners fan. I'm really happy how my teams are doing. Russ just signed his contract, and yet the one team that I'm rooting for that usually at least gives me some hope for a good season, the Giants, you know, they're just – they look bad. They look really bad, and they look like it's almost like a dejected vibe. And you know Odell is scaring me a little bit. I'm that that was that was pretty obscene what he did. I uh, usually don't complain, but that was pretty obscene. Yeah, yeah. So so real quick before we get really into it, let's hear the Giants report. In week three, the Giants felt the sweet taste of magic, only to have the flavor ripped from their tongues by a kicker in the final moments. During a game whose ending you couldn't have written up, the Giants scored more than 20 points for the first time in nine games. They received big plays from their biggest playmakers, held a lead, and came within literal inches of winning their first game. But the flashes of success showcased in this game are too much a reflection of the shallow successes which propelled the Giants to their misleading 11-5 record in 2016. Specifically, the Giants can rely on splash plays from superstars Odell Beckham and Landon Collins all they want. Both of them had game-altering plays in the second half of the Philly game. But this reliance is indicative of, and likely a result, of overall poor play and structure all across the roster. Put it this way, Odell and the aforementioned Collins arguably won four games for New York single-handedly last season. By taking slants to the house in key moments at home versus Baltimore and Dallas, and at Cleveland with two decisive and quick touchdowns in a narrow victory, Odell won three by himself. And on the other side of the ball, Landon Collins likely won the game in London for Big Blue when they faced the Rams and he took an interception 40-plus yards to the house in a 17-10 win. The fact of the matter is, while these plays are to be expected and are inherent to the game of football, so too are long, sustained, physical, clock-killing drives of offensive variety, which the Giants have simply lacked in their past 10 games. They got the ball rolling on Sunday, but have next to zero chance of survival in the race to the playoffs later this season if they can't keep it going and continue to improve this week against the Bucks in Tampa. With their backs against the wall, the Giants must rise to the occasion on the road this week and get their first win of the season. Covering the Giants, I'm Tommy Aldridge, WFUV Sports. Well, there you have it. So this week, what, I mean, what we saw in Philly was, yeah, we saw Landon Collins started to make plays. Odell Beckham started to make plays. The offense woke up. But it just wasn't enough. I'm I'm a little hesitant to to make this statement, but I I think that if the Giants really uh, look at their roster construction, I think they need to also look at uh, player to coach relations and just how they're they're approaching all of this. Eli Manning is an older quarterback. Did they really? And I I've, in my rookie reports, I've been very high on Evan Ingram, and I really think he's a fantastic tight end. I think he's a modern tight end, but. 
and as much as Giant fans are going to rag on him, even though they shouldn't because they wanted somebody different, the Giants need to definitely have a discussion about, you know, with Eli, what do you want? I mean, has that ever happened? Has that ever been reported that the ownership has a discussion with Eli? I always feel like Eli and ownership are separate entities. Eli is always the quiet guy that's on the sidelines. And, yeah, he happens to play quarterback. Because, I don't know, as a Giants fan, Tommy, have you noticed that, right? I mean, isn't that usually how it yeah, is? Yeah, that's really interesting point. I've never even, gosh, I've never even thought about that. Because, you know, Eli's just the type of guy, he's such a laid-back personality that, you know, with some teams, it's like, you know, the ownership is, or the general manager is the offensive philosophy. Or there are some teams where, you know, maybe you get Tom Brady, and all of a sudden, like, Tom Brady is the philosophy, and people work around him. You're Eli Manning wasn't a guy who, I mean, I guess he fits in a lot of spaces, but I, yeah, I've never thought about him really taking much of a leadership role, but it is something to think about the relationship. It's very topical, obviously, with Odell Beckham in the news. I j- just let me ask you this. Remember when we had Steve Smith, right? Oh, the yeah. USC Steve Smith. We had Loved Mario him. Manningham killing yeah. it, right? Yeah. Players that weren't like first round pick talent, but had the skill to get to that point. Man, you're but making man, me like well, just one second. nostalgic. So, but so man, right, but then remember those those seasons that we went 5 and 0 and then we didn't do anything yeah. in the playoffs, right? We didn't even make it. Those were the kind of instances that I think Manning's actually a lot better of a quarterback because he had an offensive line then. And then we saw his passing ability and development ability with his relations with his receivers. He has no offensive line, so suddenly he looks like a completely different quarterback, but having a lot of quarterbacks look very different when they have no offensive yeah. line. And the elephant in the room, by the way, has just been unleashed. He said it, the offensive line. Uh. <laughs> I was going to say, the offensive line, not even not even that they're not protecting Eli. They're not helping their run game at all. They had, <laughs> they're not doing They had Darqua, who run for seven, seven carries for 22 yards, Paul Perkins, nine carries for 22 yards, and then Shane Vree only got... Shane Vereen, excuse me, only got a mere one carry for five yards. How are you going to win football games oh, if man. your run game is that shoddy? And, I mean, I wish Devin could could give us a fantasy update on the Giants' running situation because it's just the scene from heck. I mean, quite honestly, the Giants' fantasy, uh, the running back situation in New York has been absurd. It's so bad, and I so badly, it sounds like me or you're a pretty big college guy watching yeah, talent. Yeah, so, I'm a big football guy. I really um, yeah. watch a lot of football. Okay, yeah. I love, By the way. Me and you, speaking the same language yeah, here. Yeah, man. <laughs> scouting, scouting and whatnot. But anyway, I want the Giants to get in on this running back re- revival that we're seeing across well, the, the league. The thing is we have gets... a running back. Like, uh, I don't, we I have don't one. Know. His name is Wayne Gallman. If you put uh, okay. him in motion at Clemson, he was amazing. By the way, he I'm not even sure he's been the... active yet. This exactly. could be the week we see him. Why has he not? I, I, I really don't understand why he's never had a character issue. He, The, the reports at the training camp was that he worked hard. I don't know. You're yeah. reporting well, no, the Giants. I mean, Maybe you the Giants, know I something. Think, I think they were comfortable with the veteran that they had. They really trust Vereen. Vereen's such a proven player. But you give him one carry. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so messed up. <laughs> it's This is what we're saying. Yeah, it's so messed up. And the philosophy, you could question it all day. They aren't running a guy. They get Vereen in, and they don't give him carries. He gets 30 snaps a game and no carries, so you're telling the defense what you're doing. Anyway... Uh, Wayne Gallman could see his first action this week. I believe there's injuries to Vereen and Darkwa. They're both in question. So this could be the week we see Gallman in an active role. I mean, at this point, just throw him out there. He's not He's not active. You just play him. I What's mean, the worst that can happen? Yeah, the thing it's is, funny how much, by the way, just real quick, how much McAdoo was hyping uh, Perkins at the beginning of the season. McAdoo, 
is a very, like, he's not going to say much. And the one thing he was very open about, he won't, like, I mean, you could well, ask him. he'll say a lot about Eli, too. <laughs> Don't forget well, that. Well, yeah, but. that's, uh, so that's in the news. <laughs> but, no, but, you know, generally his style, and but all summer, he wouldn't throw out a single name. All summer kept saying, well, you know, there's a guy at running back, but we do have Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins. He named him the starter. Not a McAdoo-esque thing. I think he took him as his, it was the, like, he was a part of his first draft class as a head coach. And it's just like, bleh, it's just garbage. I don't know. Is it the offensive line? Is it Perkins? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Mir would like this, but Adrian Peterson was available this offseason. No, nah, I don't I think w- that's I, the yeah, right. Nah, I, he's nah. not doing anything with the Saints. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, he obviously he's not the Adrian Peterson from five, ten years ago, but still, I mean, he could have he could have been a much he could have been a big quick factor fixes of all the, Giants, if the Giants were doing quick fixes though which they were this offseason I I don't think Adrian Peterson is I the just, best quick fix I've, I think Brandon Marshall's a better quick fix at this point than Adrian Peterson is when I said that I wanted to get in on that running back revival I'm really thinking like oh my god I think he gets Kareem a Quan Barkley Dalvin somehow Cook. but no I mean it's ridiculous it started and this is diverging but this is just me sort of obsessed right now. I feel like it started when Gurley was taken 10th overall by the Rams a few years ago. All right, but no, go back. Let's get, honestly, someone do some research. Before that, no running back had been taken that long in a few years for sure. Or Sorry, that high yeah, in a few years. Yeah, Trent Richardson. And then it, how many years? But yeah. No, that's the point, is that okay. it was Trent Richardson, You're so right. they were like, oh my God. You're we, right. He like we need ended those, like, back. Yeah. that. And, and then Dean Wells Gurley before and, him, and anyway, which was bad too. Guys. I think Barkley's going to be a great player, but for the Giants, I mean, I really think it is offensive line, and I just wonder, like, is that all that it is? Are we going to have all these conversations? Is it pointless to talk about anything else but the offensive line? All right, so I'm obviously I know a lot about AD being an Oklahoma fan. I mean, my mom had him in his class. You know, like I, I know him okay. I really liked Adrian Peterson in college, but I always liked Reggie Bush more. Yeah, maybe because of the flair, but he had more speed. For today's NFL, Reggie Bush would fit in. But for today's NFL, Adrian Peterson wouldn't fit in. And especially with the Giants' offensive line issues, Adrian Peterson, has a, has his, his bread and butter was that he could get through the first level, like through the offensive line with ease compared to other more powerful running backs. And AD is a power back. But the thing is that if you in this offense... The Giants need to put their running backs in motion to really be effective. And the problem is that AD's not an in-motion running back. He's never really been known for that. He's never really been that effective. I mean, the guy barely ran a 4.47 at 225, and he's now maybe he's dropped back down to 225, but in his in his prime years in the NFL, he's a 235. You're telling me AP AD. Ba- it's all day. Remember that. Yeah, yeah, he ran a 447. Speed, I'm sorry, his game speed is 41. No, it's not. No, he okay. Ha- when you he look, had a lot YouTube, of quickness. YouTube great- Adrian Peterson highlights the ones where the quality is lesser. And and uh, who's number seven? The old quarterback for the Vikings. Uh, uh, uh number seven. Tar- tar- which which number seven? You're talking about um, Tavares Jackson. Tavares Jackson, yeah. I think. Tavares Jackson. Any highlight where Tavares Jackson is handing AP the ball, he has like four one speed. All right, I'm first sorry. of all, Tommy, we got to no, correct. No, because I was about it's to say AD, no, not I, okay, AP. AD. I was about to compliment. <laughs> I was about to just make an interesting point before we talk about Giants Bucks, which we got to talk about. I was gonna say it's cool that you say AD is a power back because I you oh, can totally so make is. an art yeah he totally is but he's also so fast whatever he's, he's let's qu- not make this the Adrian Peterson show let's go to Giants let's Bucks. go to Giants Bucks Giants Bucks this week Giants are zero three they're not winning this game as much as I don't like Jameis they're not winning this game well I don't know the Buccaneers looked pretty bad last week against uh, Minnesota and Case Keenum was the quarterback for the Vikings. 
I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm just Do telling you, that's how low I am on the team. Do we see anything in Tampa Bay that's immediately threatening? Well, definitely the wide receiving yeah. core. <laughs> the young Mike right. Evans, who's a stud, and then you got Deshaun Jackson, who caught a touchdown last week. I think that they're. I think their receivers are going to go off against the Giants secondary, especially on Eli Apple. Also, the the tight end. I'm I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. OJ Howard. He hasn't yeah. he hasn't really yeah. done much to start the season. But I though. think this is. You I also think have Cameron Brate, who's not like a horrible player behind him. I think. But yeah, I mean, I I'm actually worried about it because also Gerald McCoy has been called out a little bit this past week and. Another Oklahoma guy who's gonna, I think, is gonna light it up this week. Oh. Maybe not statistically, but he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna come at Eli. I'm sure we'll feel. And with such impact. a weak offensive line, this this is the perfect chance for Gerald to like, he's he's gonna try to hurt Eli. I think. I mean, the, he's he's really oh, was man. called out. And I'm, <laughs> for, I'm telling for, you, by I'm his worried. teammates. Or? No, by the media. He by was called media. out. In fact, he report he like responded to it. ESPN was reporting it on Monday. Uh-huh. I mean, he's to me. He's one of the. He's been forever the NFL's most underrated player, probably for the past. Yeah, because he was number years. two to Dominican Sue in that draft. Yeah. You know, so obviously people forget. Well, a big stack. The big stat that is going against the Buccaneers is that they've allowed four sacks on the off- on the defensive side, and the Buccaneers on their side of the ball have only gotten one sack. So if the Giants want to get to Jameis Winston, they got to put pressure on their offensive line and get through to him so that way they can get some sacks and then put the offense back on the field and get Odell Beckham going. Wait, so you said they, they create one sack and allow four, right? Right. Okay, okay, just wanted to clear Here, I want to talk to you a little bit, Mir, about this. I'm having like a, a a moment of crisis as a Giants fan. Same. Because I'm a big so I'm a big four three guy, and I believe in what the Giants are trying to do by throwing money. Because I really and, – and Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul – here, just hear me out real quick. No, I they just are, totally agree. They are literally probably in the top two of the top four, four, three defensive ends in the league. And don't they forget do about their Tomlinson. Job amazingly. As in four, three defensive ends, you need to be a full package, edge rusher, play the run real nice. And so we invested in these guys so heavily. And they're guys I love, Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul, but... They're not making the the pressures, the game changing plays that we need them to to really to see. And when I look around the league, who are making those plays? Not guys in four three situations on their hand so much. They're really Von Miller's and Khalil Max, and they're standing up and they have a really quick first step. And those are the guys making the game changing plays. And I'm like, you know, I'm worried that these Giants, as good as those two defensive ends are. They don't. They're not able to put that much pressure on the quarterback. So you feel like the classic Giants four-three defense is a little outdated. Is I just understand. So okay. So if you're worried, here's here's where I'm gonna come in and and, and help you out a little bit. I'm not worried about the Giants on paper. My only problem with the Giants right now is the kind of the general attitude. I think Marshall's not getting enough touches. I think Beckham is too worried about about his contract. I think Flowers is is getting too much too much flack on the offensive line. He's a he's a right tackle and they're playing him at left tackle. That doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> and he was very ineffective in college at left tackle. So it makes no sense to play him at left tackle. I don't know why they haven't figured that out yet, but fine. Maybe there's something obviously yeah, they they're haven't being given paid up on the body yet. I think it, is what it is. Well, no, it's fine. Just switch him to right tackle. That's yeah. where he was effective in college and he was very ineffective in college at left tackle yeah, so. for whatever reason so that's I think something to think about but in regards to the defense 
I really think that the Giants' defense is fine as a 4-3. I understand that you're talking about great linebackers, but these are linebackers that are maybe like future Hall of Famer linebackers, you know? Like, let's look at, for example, the Packers' defense, right? Matthews has been put back into the linebacking area, and he hasn't really, you know, been as effective. Um, my main point on, on the Giants D is that they got Tomlinson in the third round or second round, if I forget, if I'm for remembering correctly, and I think he's a future player. I just think that they're not putting enough pressure because they're not getting the, the enough support from the offense, so they're always on the field, and these big guys are getting worn down. Ah, that's true. You're right. Your pass rushers definitely got to be fresh. Well, that'll do it for the Giants. Up next, we got to talk about the other New York team, the Jets, but we have fantasy first. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. So the first guy I'm concerned about is David Carr. I love Carr as a player. I think he's a great quarterback. He was an MVP candidate last year. But he looked lost last week when getting pressure. And if you think back to the start of his career, his line has always been phenomenal for him. So getting pressure is kind of a foreign thing for David Carr. And I don't like how that bodes for this week against the Broncos' defense that could be the best in the league. He's a very good quarterback who should be all right long term, but I'm sitting in this week. The next guy is Amari Cooper. Without Derek Carr at his best, I don't see how Cooper is being his best either, especially with his habit of dropping balls. You can't drop balls against Tlaib or Harris. That secondary is just way too too good. And I'm also sitting Cooper this week in addition to Derek Carr. The last guy I'm sitting is T.Y. Hilton. The Colts offense looked good last week against the Cleveland Browns. Going up against that vaunted Seattle D with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, I'm definitely tempering expectations for a player that's extremely boomer bust. And Tommy, you asked me about uh, Giants running backs fantasy-wise for the rest of the season. My advice would be they shouldn't even be on your team. (laughs) Well, I'm glad glad you told me because I'm going to cut some players now and I think some other people should too. So... I got a quick question before we go to the Jets segment. What do you think the well? How do you think Todd Gurley will do this week against the Cowboys? Um, I think he's going to be just fine. Um, n- that defense, their front seven is actually pretty good. Um, Sean Lee, I think he's playing this week. He should be good. But um, he just the thing with Gurley is volume. They've added yeah. him into the passing game this year. He's a uh, he's just a ridiculous runner between the tackles. He's got speed, and they got him at the goal line five times last week. So I mean. I think he's going to score touchdowns. I think he's going to get a ton of volume. I think he's going to put up points. Because I think this is a pretty big boomer bust for the Rams. I mean, they're two and one. They're leading the division. If Gurley wants to get going and he wants the Rams to get going, he has to get. He has to be good. And the Rams have to somehow upset the Cowboys in Dallas. This absolutely, week. absolutely. And I think that they're going to rely on him a lot to do that because he's their playmaker. So we're talking about the Jets, obviously. J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> New York Jets, they got a big game coming up <laughs> this week. Why don't we have Matt Murphy, our beat reporter in the field, give us his preview for that game. It was a great home opener for the New York Jets on Sunday. A 26 win over the Miami Dolphins. Devontae Parker's garbage time score helped my fantasy team, but ruined the Jets' shutout as time expired. It's worth noting that the Jets locked arms on the sideline during the playing of the National Anthem, and acting team owner Christopher Johnson joined the effort, standing between quarterback Josh McCown and rookie safety Jamal Adams. On the field, it was sloppy in terms of early penalties on both sides, 
But Adams and the Jets' defense really fed off the crowd. Not a packed house, but the Jet fans that were there got loud, so much so that the Jay Cutler-led Miami offense had multiple false starts on the same third down try in the first quarter. The Jets' offense took what the Dolphins' D gave them, highlighted by a 69-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson late in the second quarter. The New York Jets controlled the game, and now the 0-16 talk can be put to rest. Here's head coach Todd Bowles. No, we're trying to win anyway. Like I said, we block all that stuff out. That, that has nothing to do with our motivation to win. We're trying to win ball games because we want to get to the Super Bowl, not because we don't prove people wrong. It's extra motivation, but, you know, we're competitive and we don't compete every week. This week presents another winnable home matchup, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll take the Jets to win 24-21, but I don't feel great about it. Jacksonville's coming off a 44-7 thumping of the Baltimore Ravens, but that game was played in London. A long trip home, and Blake Bortles doesn't normally toss four touchdowns with no picks on this side of the pond. The Cleveland Browns are up next after the Jags, so I'll leave you with this. The Jets could possibly be 3-2 heading into a Week 6 game against the New England Patriots. Wouldn't that be something? Covering the... I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. So Jags, Jets... A game that, you know, a few years ago I would have said, oh, this is a really gross game. And the only reason I'm not saying it now is because the Jags have trended upwards. The Jets, not sure how they've been trending recently. I agree. I have to agree with Matt. I think that the Jags this week aren't going to be as good because they're coming off of the London game. They're going to be jet lagged. I know they have, they've had a week, but still. I don't, and also, like he said, Blake Bortles, no picks. Uh, I think that the Jets defense will <laughs> definitely get to him this week. I really like the Jaguars. Um, I'm I I I like them as a team. I think they're going to lose. I really believe in jet lag as somebody who always flies international, but um, I really think this Jags team is going to be really good this year, or they're going to be really bad. Either way, next year, in my eyes, they're going to be a super super team. I think we should focus though the Jets winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the shocking thing here. Mir and I need our own football podcast. I'm sorry, I, I got so much to say no, about football. the Jags. Football guys like us think the Jags are going to just explode at any moment because I mean, there's so much talent. Imagine Derwin but, James. But, yeah, so so the Jets, I mean, I was talking to Matt this week, and, and he said that the rookie safeties really have been a strength of this defense. And, yeah, not you know, instead of being rookies and questionable, they've actually been a strength, he claims. Um, so, yeah, uh, Marcus May is ridiculously good. Uh, Jamal Adams is very, very good. And I think he, he was a little uh, – I didn't like really how he was playing the first two weeks, but I really liked how he came out in this game. He showed more of a uh, kind of a hard-hitting safety style than more of the pass uh, safety style, but I'm okay with that. I, I really like Jamal Adams. I think he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. I know that's, like, really early to say, but I just – there's something about this guy I really, really like. And, you know, nobody's talking about him, but Ardarius Stewart was a tough wide receiver for Alabama, and he's going to be a tough Jets receiver. And the Jets fans are going to love Ardarius Stewart. This is the kind of guy who the Jets are just going to, like, just be be behind all the time for the rest of his career on the Jets. I, I really like this Jets roster going forward, like, for the future. I think they've got – they drafted very, very well. I just think that, you know, they're going through the growing pains of, uh, you know, of being the Jets. And I'm sorry to say that, Dominic and – and uh, and Charlie, you know, I feel bad. 
But uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I think they got to get our Darius Stewart more involved. He only he only he only had one catch for 22, 24 yards, excuse me, and he had that. It was a diving catch, really nice play. And then after that, McCown didn't throw throw the ball to him at all. Yeah, it is. Isn't it great? I I know you're a Jets fan, but isn't it great how how scrappy he is? You know, he really goes the extra yard just to get that <laughs> catch. I I think he's absolutely fantastic. And well, offensively, McCown has. Shown why, you know, he's the guy who you get when you're in that mode. And I'm sure he thinks he's a little better than just being that role guy. But, I mean, what have you seen from him so far? Well, I know last week he had no interceptions and he played phenomenally. He had that t- that Hail Mary touchdown to Robbie Anderson. Robbie, he gave it to him on the run. It was just a beautifully placed throw. And McCown looked really good last week. I hope, I hope that for the Jets' sake that they don't keep winning because I want them to get a high draft pick. But uh, we'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, how badly did the Jets need McCown, you know? Like, them without McCown, it's like he is the glue holding this roster together. Um, yeah, I, I... Thoughts on McCown as a I really beyond transitional quarterback? Is it possible? No, it's not. But, I mean, I think it's a very good thing that they got him. I really think it saved their, their just their fans yeah, I think from it saved committing their, suicide almost just saved watching them, Saved Petty their pass. dignity, if anything. I yeah, mean, because, I mean, Bryce Petty, you know, I, I watched him when he was at Baylor. He wasn't really that good even then. And then, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm missing – I'm blanking on the, the, the other – Hackenberg. Hackenberg, right. Yeah, he I'm needs so to sorry. play. Yeah. This is a guy who who really has all the talent in the world, you know. I mean, what what the heck, you know? Why why is he not developing? Why is he why has he not been great since his freshman year? You know, I mean, I I don't think O'Brien is really that amazing of a coach to make a a guy look like a top a number one pick, and then the the, the guy that you know doesn't even look like an NFL quarterback. You know, I really I think something's wrong there. And he need, maybe needs to change the scenery. Maybe he needs to like you know go to uh, the Saints and. Get some, you know, reps behind Drew Brees or something. Yeah, but at know. the same time, we don't know. I know he's looked terrible in practice and he's looked terrible in the preseason. But how are we going to know how he's going to be in the future if he hasn't even played a regular season? No, no, snap? no. I'm saying play him. Like let, like let yeah, him get I'm on the field. With, I'm agreeing with you. He definitely. Yeah, needs to be I mean, playing. my God, like what? You know, Tim Tebow looked terrible in practice, and he won a uh, he won a, a playoff game. I know people hate Tim Tim Tebow, but I always said, hey man, the guy won. You know, like that's that is the point of the game. It doesn't look sexy, but he wins, right? So. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, it's weird. The Giants and Jets, they're both just in weird situations right now. The Giants, you feel like they're a team that has the potential to do stuff this year, but they're like <laughs> the Jets don't. almost like kind of out of it at 0-3. And, and the Jets like don't have any potential to do anything this year, but like they're kind of playing better than the Giants and have wins on the record. So if you're a Jets fan, like like you know, you're watching the football as a Giants fan, and each game is just filled with so much hope, and you just hope. Because you know the potential so high, like I, I watching the Jets, you're more just more scouting for the future. Really, that's just kind of how it is. See, my fear for for the Giants was I, when my friends were asking me at the beginning in August, like, w- what are your picks? I said, okay, I'm going to make two picks: one if the Giants miss the playoffs, and one that the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl because they're that kind of team. Yeah. That's why I keep mentioning it's a personality thing. It's it's like something's going on with the chemistry. This team is too good to be this bad, and the the Jets, you know. They're they're playing like a team that believes in themselves. They they know everybody doesn't believe in them, and that's what always happens when you really don't believe in a team. They do a little better than you expect. But now, if the Jets, like Matt said, in Week Six go against New England three and two, I mean that just looks really. I mean, I guess it looks good for the team. Yeah, they're finally competing. 
But it, the, I don't think the fans will be happy knowing that, yeah, they're probably not going to make the playoffs anyway, and they're going to they're going to already have three wins, and then you're going to go on the Patriot, go up against the Patriots, and probably lose, go down three and three when you could have been at least one and five at that point. But but Charlie, let me ask you this. I mean. All right, maybe it's just because I have this opinion on Darnold that I really don't think he should no, leave. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's Darnold or just any other quarterback. They Rosen need a new is quarterback. not. Rosen is going to be that classic Jets quarterback that's going to make you think he's great and then he's going to be terrible because he he puts you into games with his touchdowns and he takes you out of the games with those interceptions. Look at what he did last week. I mean, he he threw four interceptions and four touchdowns. He's that kind of quarterback. Look at the Dolphins this past week. The first two weeks of the season, the Dolphins looked amazing, and then the the then last week they looked terrible with Jay Cutler. In. Well, you know, I was going to say they don't necessarily need to go out and get that quarterback or that early. But I'm saying you don't need to be that high in the draft. Do we want to play this much into the future? Or are we going to talk about the fact that I think this week could be a serious sleeper week for the Patriots? You know, they're at home. They're probably sorry to completely interrupt that conversation, but oh, I good. can't. God. I can't talk about. <laughs> quarterbacks of the future every single time I talk about the Jets. It's it's really kind of unfortunate. Um, the Jets are sort of unfortunate. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, why don't we get to fantasy <laughs> sleepers before we do our final pick em for the week? Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. I mentioned earlier how it's not looking good for Baldwin this weekend. Behind him is Paul Richardson, who's finished with at least 9.9 PPR points each of the past three weeks, including touchdowns in each of the last two weeks. Operating as the number one receiver this week without Doug, I could see him getting a nice point total against a very poor Colts defense. Especially if you're a Baldwin owner without a viable replacement on your bench, go out and get Richardson. The next guy is Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor could be the most underrated quarterback in fantasy. The guy just puts up points through the air and on the ground, and dual-threat QBs are always valuable in fantasy. The Falcons, who Taylor's facing this week, are giving up over 9 yards per scramble on the season, so in a game that projects to be a shootout, I could easily see Taylor as a top-10 quarterback this week. The final pick as a sleeper is the Lions' defense special teams. The Vikings' offense exploded last week against an injured Bucks defense, but I expect them to come back down to earth this week without Sam Bradford once again. The Lions' defense and special teams has been a very sneaky fantasy asset this year and has been the number one scoring defense despite playing the Falcons last week, who I think are the best offense in the league. They've even scored a touchdown in each game they've played so far this year, so while there's obviously going to be some regression in that department, there's something to be said about a squad with that much explosiveness. I know you talked about the Bucks' defense. They're playing the Giants this week 0-3. What can we expect from the Bucks' defense uh when the Giants come to town you know I mentioned how they're injured and I just I don't know they looked really bad last week I don't think that the Vikings are that good Stefan Diggs is very good Dalvin Cook is very good but Case Keenum is not that good um and I think that when you have Eli Manning who is a huge upgrade over Case Keenum obviously the offensive line isn't that good but I think that Eli has a real shot to pick apart this defense well, I'm asking because they the Buccaneers defense exploded in week two right right so I mean hopefully for their for their sake, they right. can do some, make some noise against the Giants. Well, they lost some guys. I don't think Vernon Hargraves is a, a very good um, D back at all, and um, I think that Odell is going to be able to take over this game. And I think Eli is going to be able to pick apart that defense. Yeah, I for one am happy that the Giants picked Eli Apple over Vernon Hargraves in the Absolutely. draft because, to me, I'm not sure you can justify taking 
a non-prototypical cornerback that early at in the top ten, as in five foot ten, one hundred and eighty-five pounds. I agree. The guys you take in the first round in the top ten are Eli Apple, six one, four four, round two hundred. Anyway, that's a point for another time. We have a fun installment now, the Pickums. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> so we'll start off with the Saints game. And we have New Orleans at Miami. We'll go around the room. It's in London, but I think that the Saints are going to out, come out and win this game. Saints. Saints, all right. I'm going to go with the Saints, too. That's the three of us. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Saints this week as okay, well. Okay, we got Devin in this. Good. <laughs> so next game, Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Lions on this one. Matt Stafford's playing really good, and I, want, I think that they're going to come out and destroy the Vikings. I'm going to go Lions this week as well. I think that that defense is uh, very underrated, and I think Stafford's going to own, uh, earn all his money. Stafford is blossoming into the quarterback that everybody thought he'd be at Georgia, so Lions. Devin, can you tell me who is playing quarterback for the Vikings? Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Okay, I'm taking the Lions. Panthers at Patriots. I'm taking the Lions. Panthers, Patriots. Panthers, Patriots. Uh, I mean, shouldn't be that hard. Patriots. I'm going to go Patriots this week as well. Patriots, unfortunately. Patriots. Wait, I thought we were just talking about the Jets playing the Patriots. Ooh, okay. Jacksonville at... Oh, wow, I was completely wrong. Jacksonville at Jets. Uh, we talked about it earlier. I think that the Jets could make some noise, but I think Jacksonville's going to win. I think the Jets are going to pull this one out. I think that their defense is going to be too much for Blake Bortles. Tommy, am I becoming a Jets or Giants fan? <laughs> I'm going to root for the Jets on this one. I think they're going to win it. I think the Jags have something to say about last... Oh, sorry, the Jags are coming off a good game last week. I think the Jags continue to roll with it. Buffalo at Atlanta. Atlanta, easy one. Atlanta all the way. Atlanta. You guys are all picking Atlanta, so I'll take Buffalo. Tennessee no. at Houston. Uh, they looked really sharp last week against the Seahawks, so I'm going with the Titans. This is an easy one for me. I think the Titans are going to take this all the way. Look, I told John Furlong Texans are a Super Bowl contender with Deshaun Watson playing so well. I'm going to go with the Texans yeah, on this one. Yeah, I like the Texans too. Pittsburgh at Ravens. Uh, the Ravens looked really bad last week, but I think that they're going to come back at home and beat the Steelers. I'm going to go Pittsburgh. I think that their defense is all right, and their offense is much better than the Ravens' offense. Steelers are going to rebound from that, the flag incident that, that's just been going around. They're going to focus on football, and they're going to win against a rival. This used to be my favorite game played. I love this rivalry. I'm going to choose the Ravens at home. Next, Rams at Cowboys. We were speaking to Devin about this before, how it's a big boomer bust game for the Rams. I think that the Rams offense looked really good last week, and I think they're going to pull it out this week against the Cowboys. I'm going to go Rams as well. I think Sean McVay has made this offense into a, into a sneaky great offense, and Jared Goff's looked good so far. If you look into Gurley's real stats, I'm not really a big Gurley fan. Therefore, I'm going with the Cowboys. Could you imagine if the Rams beat the Cowboys at home? Is it possible? Is it possible? All right, I'm going to say it's possible. Take the Rams. Bengals at Browns. The 0-3, 0-3 matchup. <laughs> More probably the best, in quotes, matchup of the week. I'm going to go with the Bengals. Bengals easily. I think that the new offense looks really good under Bill Azer. Bengals, A.J. Green's going to be great. Kaiser's going to be Kaiser. Yeah, I think the Bengals are in a similar situation as the Giants. They're talented. They just got to put it together. I'll take the Bengals. Philadelphia at L.A. Chargers. I'm going to go with the Eagles. The Chargers just look awful. 
I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Chargers have the same owners, so they're going to be the same old team. They're going to lose. <laughs> you know, uh, unfortunately, I hate the Eagles, but I have to pick them <laughs> in this situation. Taking the Eagles. Giants at Bucks. Ooh. Uh, it's a must win for the Giants, so I think they pull it out, Giants. I'm going to go Giants as well. This is going to be a heartbreak for me, Tommy. I know. We love each other, but <laughs> I got to go for the Bucks on this one, I think. Unbelievable. Wow, that is a telling pick. I'm going to go with the Giants on this one. 49ers at Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald had a great game last week, and I think that him and Carson Palmer connect for a lot of touchdowns this week. Cardinals as well. Cardinals. Yeah, I'll take the Cardinals too. How about Raiders at Broncos? Raiders looked really bad in Washington, but I think they bounced back and win this one. I think this is going to be a great game. It's going to be exciting, but I also think that the Raiders are going to bounce back. That O-line is too good to look like that. Carr's a good quarterback, not good as last year. Broncos win. Yeah, I think everyone's a little confused at what happened to the Raiders last week on primetime television. Everyone expecting them to be a little better. I'm expecting them to be better. This is a really good game. I'm going to take the Raiders away. Uh, Colts at Seahawks. We don't even have to ask. It's going to be the Seahawks. Easiest game of the week, Seattle. I'm going to think it's a lot closer than people think, but I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Devin, you said easiest game of the week. I think this could be truly the easiest game pick of all time. There isn't a better, more advantageous situation than to play the Seahawks at home for them. And I haven't seen a roster as poorly constructed as the Colts in a minute. There's no Andrew Luck either, so. And there's no Andrew Luck. <laughs> Redskins <laughs> at Chiefs on Monday night. This is going to be a really good game in my opinion. I think that the Chiefs will pull it out. I agree. This is a great game, but I'm going to go Redskins here. I think that Kirk Cousins looked really good last week, and I think he's going to turn it on. Kareem Hunt look, was looking like Jamal Charles, and Tyreek Hill looks like Deshaun Jackson, so Chiefs. I have to agree with what was just said. The playmakers on the Chiefs are insane. I'm going with the Chiefs at home. Wow, that was really cool. <laughs> that was really cool. Anyway, that was the per I think that would be the best ending that we could possibly do to this show, the timing of that. But anyway, now let's do a little bit of a real wrap. Thank you to Don Muscarello behind the glass, Charlie Maizano on the B-Host, Devin Clemente with Fantasy, and Mir Gori here to really talk some football analytics. We had a good time on week four of this special edition. We'll see you next time.